Let's look tonight in Isaiah 53 and do cover your prayers tonight that the Lord will help us. And I sure have enjoyed um, preaching on the cross for the last few weeks, and, and I hope it's been a help to you. And, you know, the cross is more than just, uh, uh, I, I should say it this way, the preaching of the cross can do more than just, I don't want to downplay salvation, but it, it can help those that are, are saved, or it should. And... Um, it does a lot of good for us when we hear about it and are reminded of it, and um, and I thank the Lord for what Jesus has done for us, and, and I want to talk about it again tonight. Um, I did want to say this um, uh, tonight. Um, this is March, is and she's not in here, so I, I can say this, is uh, pastor's, appreciate, pastor's Wife Appreciation Month, and I just want to publicly say I appreciate my wife. And uh, she is a wonderful wife and a wonderful preacher's wife. I was thinking about it today, and, um, you know, in the last, going on 60 years, we've been, lived four different places, been all over, and, and, and you know, the Bible says it's required for steward that a man be found faithful. And I don't know of any greater attribute for a wife than the, to be faithful in all things. And, and my wife's been faithful to the church. Here she is. She just want to make it again. But, but I'll say this, and, and I'm going to preach. And, and since we've been married, since we've been together dating and all that, I don't think we've had a lot of arguments, but I don't think we've had one about the Bible. I don't think, I don't think she's ever arguing with me about the Bible. And Brother David, she's never arguing about the will of God. And, uh, and I really appreciate her and the young men that, that are growing up. And one of these days, um, you know, hopefully, I hope you're looking for a wife and uh, a bride and uh uh, the greatest asset a, a, a man can have, doing the, whether he's a preacher or, or just, uh, you know, whatever it is, is a godly wife. Amen. And uh, you can get all the education. You can have all the contact. You can, you, can, you can know everybody. All those things you can have. But if you don't have a godly wife, she'll be the greatest asset you'll ever have in your life. Let's look tonight in Isaiah 53, and we'll begin reading tonight. Now, I'm doing this a little different um, we're going to go back. These verses, honestly, uh, you could preach or a man could preach a message from each verse and probably two or three messages. Um, so I'm going to, you know, we're going to kind of go back. We may look at some different parts of these verses we've touched on in the weeks gone by. But uh, we'll begin reading tonight in verse number four. Let's all stand if we can out of respect to the Word of God, if you're able and willing. The Bible says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquitous all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a sheep before the shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Let's pray. Father, I ask you tonight that you might touch me again. And Lord, I don't want to just stand tonight and preach a message or a sermon, Lord, an outline to these people. But Lord, tonight I want you to preach a message to me. And I pray that, Lord, you'd take us by the hand again and Lord, lead us to that hill outside Jerusalem and help us again to survey the wondrous cross, Lord, where your Son died for our sins. And I pray you'd break our hearts, Lord, and 
Fill them with your love when we think about all that your Son has done for us. And I thank you, Lord, for allowing me this great honor, this great high honor to stand and to preach the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray you would enable me, and I pray, Lord, that though we might be familiar with these truths, I pray that we would not become numb to them. But I pray you'd touch my heart like you did the first time I ever heard the story of Jesus and what he's done for me. Lord, we love you tonight, and we pray you bless the reading now and the preaching of the Word of God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. We've been preaching now on the way of the cross. The way of the cross. We're living in a world that's lost its way. It's lost its way. And, uh, and tonight I'm glad and I'm thankful to say that I'm on the straight and narrow way. Everybody wants to talk about the straight and narrow way, but you know, uh, we didn't make it this, this it's the Jesus, he's the one that made this way. And I want to say tonight, we really got no reason or no uh, right to complain about the way because if truth be told, if we had what we got, if we got what we had coming, there wouldn't be any way for us. But thank God there's a way tonight that men and women, boys and girls, can come to know God in the pardon of sin. And that way is the way of the cross. We talked about the man on the cross was our first message we preached. And we talked about the Lord on the cross. And, and that was what made it different, was the man that was on the cross. But I'm going to say tonight, and I know Easter's coming a few weeks from now, but he's not on the cross tonight. Amen. Oh, yeah. And listen, I, I, I hope I don't hurt feelings. You know how that really worries me, but... If you've got a necklace with him hanging on a cross, go melt it down and turn, make quarters out of it use some, because that is a shame. To have Jesus, he's not hanging on that cross. And let me say this, that was not some glorious thing, him dying on the cross. It was a humiliating thing. It was a shameful thing. In fact, that was the worst nine hours in history was on that cross. The man on the cross. Then we said the misery of the cross. Last week we tried, and as hard as we may try, it's impossible for us to actually orate how miserable that deal was. Misery of the cross. Now tonight I want us to look for a little while at the mercy that has come by the cross. Mercy. The mercy of the cross. Now when we read these verses here in Isaiah 53, number one, it's amazing that he wrote this hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. How people can doubt this Bible, I don't understand. Isaiah, it, it, when he wrote this, it was almost like he was sitting there and watched it. Now Isaiah, we know that he wasn't writing it. He was just being used by God to write it. And, 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 and as he writes these verses, I've been reading this uh, all week. I've been trying to just... Uh, you know, chew on it, med, uh, muse on it, meditate on it. And, and, and over and over as I read these verses, when you read it from, from uh, try this sometime. Read it, uh, read this chapter in Isaiah 53. Read it in verse number 1 down to verse number uh, 12. And then start in verse number 12 and read it backwards to verse number 1. And it's amazing. I did that. I don't know if that's a, I don't know. I didn't read that no homiletic book or anything, but. But when I read it back, it, it, I started seeing things that I didn't see reading it from top to bottom. Now, you'll get confused a little bit, but just take your time. And, and, but Brother David, what kept coming out 
uh, just to me as I read this, was what an act of mercy this was. An act of mercy that Jesus would do this for people like me. The mercy that's come by the cross. You know, if you read history, you'll find that throughout history, there's been some great great feats, I guess you could say that, men that in our history of mercy being shown. You read about, and, and, and during the dark ages and throughout that time, during those, well, they had lots of war, and you read stories about kings and how they conquered another king, and that king was their enemy, and that king had tried to take their life and had tried to overthrow their kingdom, and then, uh, and they brought that, they bring them before that king that had overrule, overcome him, and they'd show mercy. They, they, they would show mercy to that man and not, and not take his life. You, I've read, you've seen it on the news and, and, and maybe uh, uh, online you've read where there's been parents who had a child uh, that was killed by uh, maybe a drunk driver or something like that. And, and the parents showed mercy to that individual. And listen, I, I don't know how somebody can do it, but I'm glad the grace of God can make it possible. But tonight, the greatest act of mercy that's ever been performed was at the cross. That was God holding back his wrath. God holding back his judgment on us. God, I mean, everything that happened to Jesus should have happened to every one of us. Mercy. The mercy of the cross. I want you to see this, and I'll try to be swift tonight. <laughs> I'm using new words. That's swift is not an adverb. It is a verb. I'm trying to get away from them adverbs like quickly and hurriedly and all that, but... I want you to see this tonight. I want you to see this mercy. How do we see the mercy? Number one, we see it in the subjects of the cross. Who, what, who, were, who were the subjects of the cross? It was us. I mean, listen, Jesus wasn't dying for some royal person or some righteous person or some good person. He was dying for sinners. Right. To me, you know, the, the Bible says that for a good man, some might die. I mean, listen, and, and, and we've seen it, we've, and, and our nation, and uh, if, uh, I remember when I was a little boy, when I was in fourth grade, and John was in sixth grade, we went to Washington, D.C., and we saw Arlington Cemetery, and there, that's just a, a, a breathtaking uh, a thing to look at, all those tombs of those men who died for somebody else. But I want you to know tonight that the people Jesus died for were not the best of the best, but the worst of the worst. Amen. He didn't die for some high, noble, uh, uh, holy bunch of people. He didn't die uh, for these uh, bunch of elite and, and wealthy and, and, and strong and powerful. But he did it for those who deserved it the very least. Amen. He died. Listen, notice in verse 4, the Bible says, Surely it borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He did it, listen, these subjects, he died, listen, he died for the wounded. Did you know this word, listen to what these words mean. Grief, griefs means anxiety, sickness, or disease. And not only uh, does it say grief, but I want you to notice again, jot and tittle, every letter in your Bible matters. It, it says griefs, plural. You see, when we were lost, we didn't just have one sickness, we had many sicknesses. Right. I mean, we had a compound problem. That's what I'm trying to say. We had multiple things. He said he, and this is who he did. He said he has borne our griefs. He has taken what I'm saying. He didn't die for a bunch of people that had it all together.
apart our griefs. And he goes on to say, he, has, he bore our griefs and carried our, here it is again, sorrows. That word sorrows, it means to be spoiled or to have pain. If you put these two words together, what it's telling us is that Jesus died for a bunch of sick and wounded people. And listen to not, it's mercy, it's mercy that Jesus would do what he did for people like us. He bore our griefs, he bore our sorrow, our pain, our sickness. He died for the wounded. Religion tells people they have to get it all together before they can come to Jesus. You got to quit your smoke. You got to quit your drink. You got to quit your cuss. You got to quit your chew. You got to quit your this. You got to quit your that. And then you come in church and then you be. And, and let me tell you, that is the opposite of what the Bible teaches. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for wounded. He died for the sick and the feeble and the broken and those that had sorrows and grief. The Bible says he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But whose sorrows was he acquainted with? Whose grief was it? was ours. It was ours. He died for the wounded. John, Romans 5, 6, for when we were yet without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for the wounded. Look at verse number 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. These subjects, not only were they wounded, but we see they were wicked. They were wicked. Transgressions, listen, transgressions, that word means to rebel, to revolt, or to trespass. Now I'm a coon hunter, and I'm not going to say no more because we're on Facebook Live, but y'all understand what trespassing is. All I know is I've, I've had some good dogs, I've sold some good ones, and I've never had one that could read. <laughs> but Brother Zeke, amen, Brother Hobbs, good to have you. <laughs> He got it three seconds late, but he got it. <laughs> oh, man. To trespass, what's that mean? It means what? To cross the line. And the Bible says that he was wounded in verse 5 for our transgressions. What had we all done? We had crossed the line. We, we've all done it with our kids Sunday night. Georgia, it was the mercy of God. She didn't get blistered, right? Did y'all see what she done? I, she didn't want to come up here. And I said, go, and this is what she did. I said, go to the choir. And she turned around and she stood here. And she took one step by that she looked back at me. And she took, she didn't know how close to the line she was getting. <laughs> and she kept taking, and then, did y'all see her? She got here and she picked her foot up like this and just stood here. You know what she was doing? She was testing me. She was testing me. But you know, we laugh at the little children. We see that. And, but you know, all of us had crossed the line. Now, growing up, you knew with mom and daddy, you might get by with some things. But there was a point where when you crossed that line, judgment was going to fall on you. There are certain things you didn't do in our house. You didn't hit Marybeth. She could smack us, spit on us, hit us. Do anything to us, but it didn't matter. We couldn't retaliate. And my sister, she's strong now. And one time she reared back, she slapped me. I mean, I'm talking about she slapped the taste, and I deserved it. I did. But I mean, and I took off chasing after her, and she went, we lived in a little double wide, and she slammed the door, and she had she's holding on to the door like this, and I just got back as hard as I could, and I lowered Drew, cover your ears right here. And I and I and I 
I'm sounding like a kid I know. But anyhow, I lowered my shoulder and I hit the door. And when I hit the door, Mary Beth, old clumsy Mary Beth, I know she's probably, she slipped like this and knocked her two teeth out. No, no, she didn't knock them out. She knocked them in two. They split off on the doorknob. Mm. <laughs> and you know what I realized at that moment? I had crossed the line. <laughs> but tonight, you know that every one of us yeah. were transgressors. We were trespassing. We were breathing God's air, living on God's earth, amen, and, and, we're, we're, and we're violating the lines. Let me say this. This Bible is a book of lines. The Bible says that when you read it, it's precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, line upon line, line upon line. And listen, I can't go down many of these lines without finding the ones I've crossed and I've gone past, but thank God, Jesus died for wicked men. Iniquities means perverted or crooked. So, he's saying Jesus died for perverted, crooked rebels who had crossed the lines drawn for them in the Word of God. You see, Jesus, when He was on that cross, I'm talking about the mercy of the cross. I'm saying the mercy of the cross is this. He did it for wicked people. Vile people. And it'd be good for us not to forget. I mean, I don't believe we ought to, to desire where we were before we got saved. Or we ought to brag about what we were before we got saved. Or we ought not to glorify Brother David what we were before he got saved. But I want to say this. We better not forget what we were before we got saved. We better not forget we were wicked. Or we were transgressors. Or we were full of iniquity. Nothing's more perplexing than to see someone, God saves them. I mean, saves them out of the muck and mire. And they get in church and they, and they start doing better. And then all of a sudden, in a year or two's time, they're trying to tell, they're, they're pointing the, a, a pharisaical finger at other people who are, who are in the same mess they were in. And that's so sad. It's almost like, you know, Israel, they've done the same thing. They got out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. And it wasn't just a few days. They were crying. Oh, would to God we had died in Egypt. Would to God we had died in Egypt. What happened? They forgot what it was like in Egypt. Oh, listen, the wicked. He died for the wicked. He died for the wayward. Verse 6, it says, Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. The wayward. We were blinded by the God of this world. Dead in our trespasses and sins. Stumbling on our way to hell. Think about when Jesus was hanging there on the cross over there in Psalms 22, that messianic psalm. He said, deliver my darling from the line. I believe he was thinking about us. I think he was thinking about sinners like you and I. And as he died there on that cross, he was doing it for people who were like sheep who had gone astray. You know, in the Old Testament, the sheep died for the shepherds. But in the New Testament, the shepherd died for the sheep. 
I saw the other day, I, it, was, uh, it was in a book. I can't remember what book it was. I believe it was Manners and Customs of the Bible. And it had this, it was this, it was talking about Moriah. And you know Mount Moriah where Abraham offered Isaac? That's the same mountain where Jesus died on. I'm talking about the very same place. You know also that's where David, they say, buried the head of Goliath. Amen. I know, you know, David, the message, he's a picture of Christ. You know, Jesus, on, you know what he did on the cross? He crushed the devil's head. Amen. It's also where Solomon began building the temple there. And anyhow, I could go on. But I was reading, and there's talking about, it was, a, it was a part, it was a picture of a sculpture. It was a stone sculpture. And it was a, it was a, a sculpture trying to uh, 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 illustrate Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah. And it had this rock bench, and there was a little boy laying on that bench. And, and there was Abraham, and he had, a sword, he had a knife in his hand up here. And, uh, and not only was there Abraham, but there was an angel there. And that angel had one hand on Abraham's uh, arm with a knife. And in the other hand, that angel had a lamb. And he was laying it out there in front of uh, Abraham. And boy, I sat there and I, went, I looked at that and I pondered on that. You know, when God uh, went to Mount Moriah, he spared Abraham's son and let the, the lamb die instead of Abraham's son. But on Calvary, God took the lamb off the altar and laid his son down in the stead of us. That's what I'm saying. Uh, listen, we were wayward like sheep have gone astray. Uh, you say, well, I never got that far off course. You, don't, you and I don't realize how far off course we were. Amen. When a person's born, they start drifting and drift and drift. Misery, the mercy, the subjects of the cross. Now, I got to hurry. Look down at verse number seven. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought the lamb to the shear to the slaughter. So he openeth not his mouth. I'm talking about the mercy that's come by the cross. Now I want you to see this. Mercy in the subjects of the cross. But listen, now follow me. Mercy is shown in the silence of the cross. Because listen, listen to me. He had every right to speak. And with one word, it all would have been done. But he stayed quiet. Now, think about this. The silence of the cross. Why was Jesus silent on the cross? Now, now think about this. What is our natural inclination if we're falsely accused? Defend. How many you ever seen your kids and they have that you hear somebody scream, something breaks, somebody hollers, and what is it? It's a mad dash. She did this. I didn't do it. They did it. You know what I mean? It's just a. I mean, it's a mad race. Why? Because we've got a. a it's a. I don't know what you call it. Defense mechanism. And 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 the truth of the matter is, that these kids telling themselves normally the one that comes screaming, "Daddy, daddy, daddy!" first is the one that did it. It's just the law of, I don't know what you call that, but it's just a fact. But why did he, so what I'm saying is, we, oftentimes we don't really think about it, but I've been thinking about this. That was mercy by him staying silent. Because Brother David, just one word, and we'd all be in hell. I'm saying he showed such restraint. 
And you know, that's what mercy is. That's divine restraint. Not giving someone what they do deserve. If, if, and listen, I, I've got to hurry. But the first reason, why did he stay silent? The first reason was so he could finish the work of God. Amen. If he said, come you twelve legions, old Simon drew his sword. And he wasn't aiming for that boy's ear. Simon was a fisherman. He wasn't a fighter. But he didn't mind slinging a sword if that's what it took. He was aiming for his neck and he cut off his ear. And Jesus said, Simon, he said, I could have called 12,000 angels and my father would have sent them to me. Twelve legions of angels. You know, a legion is a thousand. Twelve legions is twelve thousand. They said every legion had six hundred horsemen in a legion. That would have been seventy-two hundred angels riding on horses. And Jesus said, I could have called them. But why did He not? Because He wanted to finish the work. He wanted to finish what He had started for the glory of God. He wanted to walk all the way. He said, I didn't come this far to turn back now. And He kept His mouth closed. Amen. In 2 Kings 19, verse 35, you can read it. One angel, now listen to me, one angel slew 185,000 soldiers. One. I don't know how many people was on earth at that time. I don't know how many. They, they, I, I read something this week. They said that that was at the time, the Day of Atonement also is when Jesus died. That's a miracle too. But they said that there could have been up to a million Jews in Jerusalem. And they said they, they believed that up to 50 to 100,000 probably paraded by the cross that day and laughed at him. But I don't know how many, but you do 12,000 times 185,000. I mean, that's, that's big math. I mean, we're looking up there's 1.2. I mean, we're, that, what I'm saying is he showed divine restraint. Did you know the Bible says in Psalms 91 and verse 11, for he shall give his angels charge over thee. That's talking about Jesus. To keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Matthew 4.11, then the devil leaveth him. And behold, angels came and ministered him. Here's what I believe. I believe throughout the life of Christ, he was circled with the angels of God. I believe those legions were with him and watching him. And I believe when he was a little boy and he was running down the road, they was pulling the rocks out of the way. And they, they, they was keeping him safe. And, and you believe what you want. It's what the Bible says. Lest he dash his foot against the stone. Uh, but listen, uh, on that day, don't you know, Brother Justin, them angels were ready to go to war. Oh, don't you know they were angry. And say, watch those men spend on him and happy I'd say they were rearing up on them old horses was jumping at the pit and but Jesus sat there in silence because he wanted to finish the work God had given him to do I believe the angels bowed their heads and cried as they watched the son of God die I'm saying why was he silent so he could finish the work of God but I believe he was silent so he could fulfill the word of God. He knew Isaiah wrote this. And instead of responding, instead of, of, of striking, and, and he could have just, I mean, he, he, he had that ability. He had that ability. In order to fulfill the word of God, he remained silent. Listen to this. This is where the Lord convicted me here. If Jesus could remain silent, then so can we. There is a time to speak up 
there's also a time to hush up. I wonder how many of us has our mouth hindered us from finishing the work of God? How many of us has our mouth hindered us from fulfilling the word of God? You know, Brother David, we all struggle with different things. But I believe we all, at one point or another, we struggle with this. We want to be right. And we want to prove we're more interested in our point than we are the truth. But you know, just because you're right doesn't mean you have to tell everybody that you're right. And, and listen, on the cross, he hung there. And they wagged their heads at him and stuck out their tongues at him and mocked him and said he saved others. And, and, but himself he cannot save. They mocked him. They, they, they laughed at him. And yet in silence, he sat there. Oh, in Pilate's hall, in Pilate's hall, he was silent. In Gabbatha, he was silent. Before Herod, he was silent. Listen, I'm saying tonight is that was mercy. Mercy. Because if he had opened his mouth, they wouldn't have, what he had to say wouldn't have been good for them. And it would have been good for us. Remember I said the way of the cross, if we're going to be like Jesus, guess what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to walk in his, what, his steps. And in order to be like Christ, you see, not only should we, I meant to say this about the subject of the cross. If he could show mercy on us, we should be willing to show mercy on others. Listen to me, being Christ-like is more than just doing good for others. It's not doing bad to others. That's what mercy is. When you have the power and the ability to get revenge, and you've got the power and the ability to hurt someone and to strike back, even they deserved it just like we deserved it, but that, uh, he showed such restraint on the cross. The silence of the cross, that was mercy. Can you imagine if that was you hanging there? And those angels were, and they, you knew how hard would it be to just to stay quiet. But anyhow, I want you to see this. And we're done. Verse 6 says, Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 5, it says, our transgressions, our iniquities. And verse 4, our sorrows. Uh, verse number 5, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And then down, you can read on down in verse number Eight, the latter part, it says, he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Now, you, I wondered this. It sounds like he's writing in the past tense, is he not? Who's, who's speaking here, though? God is. When God wrote this, Brother Justin, he saw Calvary as a finished work already. Think about that. But verse number 10 in verse 8, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Look down in verse number, um, verse number 12. Therefore I'll divide from, divide from a portion of the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with transgression. And he, listen to this. And he bare the sin of many. The substitution of the cross. The substitution. Listen, the mercy of the cross is seeing the fact that Jesus didn't just put away our sins, he paid for our sins. He could have just done away with them, but he said, No, I'm going to pay for them. 
And, and, and over and over, Isaiah said it was for our transgressions. It was for our sins. It was for our iniquities. It was for our griefs. It was for our sorrows. It was for our... Does that, not, does that not do something to your heart when you think that we deserve to be on that cross? Listen to me. He did not just die for me. He died as me. When God poured His wrath out on His Son, it was as if He was pouring it out on me. Yeah. He died for us. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He had made Him to be sent for us. That word for, it means in the place of another. We deserve to be there, but He did it in our place. Amen. What love that is. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. The one who gave the curse became the curse. When he was in the garden and he told Adam and Eve cursed, cursed, he was actually putting that curse on himself for them. Think about that. Have you ever read that account where he says, cursed is the ground? Here it is. If you read it, now this is King James. I don't know about them RNIVs. I know what the King James says. It says, cursed is the ground for thy sake. I'd say that was a hard pill for Adam and Eve to swallow. Every day Adam's out there with blisters and thorns and sweat coming off. And first time Eve had a child post the fall, I'd say she was not thinking it was a blessing. But what they couldn't see is when God said, this is for your sake, what he was saying is two th down through 4,000 years. But I don't know, you, some of you, you tell how many years it was later, he seen that curse and he was going to bear that curse. And because of that, they were going to be forgiven because he was going to become that curse that he put on them and he put on the world. I was reading this week and I read an illustration, a story, something that happened years ago. That illustrates the substitution of Christ. It said back in the 17th century, Oliver Cromwell, he was one of them lords of England, you know, the ones we whooped in the Revolutionary War. You remember them? But anyhow, there were teas and crumpets and all that stuff. <laughs> Somebody, anyway, I seen this conspiracy the other day. It said that that uh, Merkel, who married the British, you know, that, that, that she's going to run for president and, and then she's going to be the president of the United States and an old uh, do-jigger that she married. What's his name? I can't remember. You know who I'm talking about. Harry. Oh, Harry. That he's going to be made king and then they're going to make, they're going to bring America. And I said, oh, that's the only way they're going to beat us in a They ain't going to beat us in a fight because we done proved that. But anyhow, <laughs> Cromwell. I don't know how I got off on that, but. One of his men had committed a, an act of treason, a, a war crime, and the custom was uh, that they was going to execute this man at the, when they at night. They had a curfew. It's during wartime. They had a curfew, and they'd ring the bell. And when the bell would ring, they was going to execute this man. The whole town had gathered around, and I mean, they'd come out. They didn't have TV, and you know, video, they just watched people get executed back then. You know, wholesome entertainment. But anyway, they they. They were standing there and they had the executioners were ready and they were standing there and they was waiting. The sun was setting and they was waiting on the bell to ring and they waited and they waited and they waited and they waited 
and the bell never would ring. And, and Mr. Cromwell was upset, and he, and he said, go, go check the bell. And they went up there, and they said, in that bell, in, up in that bell tower, up there in the top where that bell was, the man that was going to be executed, his fiance, was hanging on that, whatever that part that rings, she was hanging on to that, and she wouldn't let go, and they began to push. She, would, she wasn't going to let the bell ring. Amen. And they said the next day they brought her before Cromwell and, uh, and, and he asked her, what were you thinking? And he, they said she held out her bloodied hands and she said, I loved him too much to let go. And he pardoned that man because of that act of mercy. And I, I read that and I thought about the cross. Do you want to know? They could have taken the nails out of his hand and he still would have hung on that cross. You want to know why he wouldn't let go? Because he loved us too much. He would not let go. And one day soon, very soon, we're going to look upon him and we're going to see those nail prints in his hand. And that's going to be proof that he would not let go. Aren't you glad that he wouldn't let go of that cross? That he hung on to the very end? That he shed his very last drop of blood? And listen tonight, because of that, you and I that are saved, we should glory in the cross. We should thank him for the cross. And if you're lost, you ought to run to the cross and be saved.